welcome to the very first bonus episode. <laughs> we really do have to get sound effects. <laughs> Listen, though, you keep calling it bonus episode. What's the real title? The real title is Hidden History. I am so excited for these bonus episodes. I, I feel like if we did have sound effects, it would be the like na 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 on Space Jam <laughs> no, coming you, out for the bonus episode. You know, honestly, what I like would love is a is like um a sound effect of like a creaky old chest opening up, like we're like uncovering we're this uncovering. hidden history. Yeah, like wishbone. <laughs> that didn't even. Sound uh, kind of. Wishbone. Oh, bring what's back the story? Wishbone. Bring back the nostalgia. Am I right, Jack be- Russell? A better time. Oh, that was the best '90s <laughs> card. Or it wasn't a cartoon. It was. A sh- it was like real people. Yeah, it was a real people. That was real the dog. Best. They taught him how to talk. Isn't that crazy? Guys, crazy. Freedom foil. The '90s. I'm telling you. <laughs> so a lot of exciting things happened this week. This is the very first week on the podcast that you are listening to two episodes in one week. And if you guys didn't know already, this Hidden History series is going to be put out every 10th episode. So, of course, uh, this past episode was episode number 10. That was the JFK Assassination Part 1. If you have not heard that, make sure to check out those links. You can listen to us on anywhere that has podcasts. And, of course, the second Hidden Histories episode is going to be on the week of episode 20. We also started the Freedom Foil Instagram oh, account. Oh, guys, it's so fun. It's, oh, it's, it's so fun. It's already so fun. We already have like 36 followers on there in a day. You and guys we love are, every single one of you. you. You guys are incredible. It's so cool to finally be able to, to talk to you. And that is an Instagram account that can be found just by typing in Freedom Foil. And, and in all seriousness, right it is like the coolest thing because when you do these podcasts, I mean, it's just Joe and I, right? It's like right. we're talking, we don't really know other than like the statistics on these episodes, like what's working, what's not. So yeah. like this direct line to you guys has been so cool, even in like the last, what, less than 24 hours. Yeah, and because there's not really a way, especially because the podcasts go out on like every streaming service, there's not a, a way for you guys to really like immediately engage. message us yeah. and engage. Of course, you know, there's the Firearm Freedom links, shameless plug, they're available in the description, <laughs> that most of you guys were talking to me on, but... This allows you a direct route. So if you're and like, you get to talk to me. Exactly. So if <laughs> if you guys have, you know, immediate things, you're like, oh, I wish they talked about this, or you just listened to the episode, and you're Hit like, I up. just I just wanna, you know, tell them how I liked it or didn't like it, you guys can shoot us a DM on there. And because we're very small and, and growing, we would greatly appreciate you sharing it around and you know, mm-hmm. telling people what is up yeah. if they want the truth bombs. Yeah. Freedom foils where it's And one at. more like housekeeping piece is that we were looking over our statistics and it does seem like the um, least listened to episode was the time travel episode. Yeah. So yeah. we get it like those more mainstream episodes, but just want to throw out there that like, even if the title seems mainstream, we will always try to take a different, different look. approach yeah. and give you information that's not super mainstream. That, that's a good point. Yeah. And if you guys haven't noticed already with all of these episodes, the main goal, because I, you know, Mary, not not so much, I don't think, but I used to listen to a few different conspiracy-related podcasts, and it, they were always like, 
I don't know, just boring because it was like oh, Bigfoot, aliens, and like other we stupid shit. We do not want to be like that. No, and it's all shit that like everyone knows. It's mainstream. All of it is just you know stupid to hear about because we you know you you hear about it all the time. So we try to always go against the grain, and you know that might get us far or it might get us shut down. But either way, I feel like we're doing <laughs> doing the right thing. And let us know. But it seems like. I'm a I'm a numbers gal. Like it does seem like the government conspiracy episodes are really oh, the ones to yeah. go. So let us know if you're really enjoying those government episodes. Um, I they're tend not to, my favorite. No, I'm kidding. they tend they are to fun. be my favorite. They're a good so. time. Unfortunately, time travel was probably one of my favorite. Episodes. <laughs> so Mary's like low key, like, hey guys, can you listen to yeah. it so we can do more of so those? So the time travel episode is the best episode. Though. And I'm like, tell us to do more government <laughs> stuff. <laughs> So, all right. So for today's first hidden history episode, we've told you guys before, this is stuff that maybe some of you don't know, but also shit that they definitely did not teach in school. Well, it's not even teach in school. It's just like buried information. Buried. Buried. (laughs) But this one's close, a little close to the heart for you. It is. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to be talking about Ruby Ridge today and Ruby Ridge really uh, uh, hits a soft spot for me. It it hits a lot of anger for me, Um, mainly just because I I have done a lot of research over the years into this. Um, I have a very special book in regards to uh, Ruby Ridge. It's called The Federal Siege at Ruby Ridge. And uh, it was actually written by Randy Weaver and Sarah Weaver and signed by Randy Weaver himself. Who were two people from the family that lived there, which yes. we'll get into. Yep, that, if you don't know, was uh, Randy Weaver was the father of the family. Sarah Weaver was one of the daughters. And um, I actually even got a chance to message Sarah Weaver directly, um, you know, just thanking her for putting the book out. So uh, if you, you know, are into books or whatever, that that's probably the, the best book, I would say, on the topic. Well, straight from the person. Straight from the person, yeah. You know. And I, I think, and, you know... <sighs> Last point on the book, what I really respect the most about it is the fact that like they they lay it out there in the most unbiased way as possible. And Mary, after you know r- looking into the the topic, the fact that these folks are somehow capable of being unbiased, unbiased is unbelievable. And you'll and you'll find out real quick why we yeah, feel that way. And, and they really you know they say multiple times they're like, look here's the information and you know, you, you be the judge on what you think of the situation. And that's what I think is so respectable uh, about the book. And again, it just, uh, the whole thing hits a soft spot. So I guess Mary, you know, Ruby Ridge, nobody really knew about it, uh, before, you know, the unfortunate events unfolded as far as like, what was Ruby Ridge, you know, where was it and things like that. Where was Ruby Ridge? So happened in 1992 in um, Boundary County, Idaho, near Naples. Yep. Uh, Fun fact. And Ruby Ridge is like, I don't think it's a city, but it's like a ridge on a mountain, right? So I was just about to say, fun fact, uh, it was never really called Ruby Ridge. Right. Um, The the media coined it Ruby Ridge. It was uh, more accurately uh, called Caribou Ridge was Mm. where the the mountain was really on. And I believe Ruby Ridge was like the the name of uh, possibly you know, and I'm probably going to be wrong here, like a town or something else near the area or like Ruby something um, that the media just kind of took and and ran with. Um, But, you know, this all started uh, with a family that simply wanted to get away is the easiest way to explain that. 
Well, and, and didn't like didn't it just going back a little bit further? So the family weren't and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, Joe's kind of leading the charge on this one. He knows a lot more than I do. But were the family lived in like an everyday society, right? And yeah, then they so kind of like what what happened? A, a little bit of backstory. Randy Weaver was actually a Green Beret. Uh, he was in the military. Um, Vicky Weaver was his wife. They had really a you know a beautiful family. The the family originally moved uh, from one area, and they were looking to just get away. So they uh, decided, and I should also mention that the the reason they were looking to get away. Um, Vicky and, and Randy Weaver, mainly Vicky was, was the more, uh, religious drived one of the family, um, and started getting very nervous, um, about revelations drive stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, they decided that, uh, the, the end was near basically and, and lack of a better words. Um, and they wanted to up and move to an area where they could cut out electricity and essentially homeschool live homeschool the kids. Yeah, homeschool the kids and really live in that original like homesteading type lifestyle. Um, you know, which there, we we should have the freedom to be able to do that in this country, um, which they did at first. Now, uh, really, the the interesting stuff starts coming into play with the Aryan nations. Uh, one of the Aryan nations more so uh, get together areas incredibly close by um, the Weaver's homestead, the, the Weaver's cabin. And that's where everything starts to get a little bit interesting. So this is where I think ultimately, like, the Weavers get the most misunderstood. Um, is, is, you know, they're, they're painted in the media as total white supremacists. Like even today, um, I, I think the folks that are our age, you know, maybe the only thing they know about Ruby Ridge, if they got, uh, introduced to it by like the, what was it? The PBS documentary. Well, um, which streamed on Netflix, on Netflix that, that was, it was okay. I, that was the first thing that I, I mean, that has interviews with Sarah Weaver. It, it does. Yeah. And that was, they, they did a pretty okay job with that. They left out some information that it's, we'll talk about, but, but like, just like anything, it's, it's hard to cover all the information that you find in that book that you had mentioned in yeah. one documentary or, right. or mini series. It's difficult, but I think I agree with you. I think they did a good job. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you, when you first saw uh, the miniseries or when you did this research, what was your first initial uh, opinions of, of what happened to him? Yeah, like enraged, right? Like, I think to be completely transparent, it is sketchy to me that they kept going back to the what would you call Aryan it? Nations Aryan nation stronghold. But the way that it was explained in the documentary and in the research that I did, it seemed like they were so isolated that they did want to incorporate a little bit of community into their lifestyle yeah. and that they found that was probably the closest thing they were going to get and the safest thing that they were going to get at the time. Right. So, but my thing is, again, just being completely transparent and objective, it's kind of like, okay, if, if you went one time and you got a taste for it, it's kind of like, I, would, yeah. I don't know if I'd go back. But then again, it's like, if that's the only thing in like an 80 mile radius. Right. And they are out in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. So the important point to note about them going back multiple times is that the Weavers claim they were not white supremacists. They were not neo-Nazis. You know, uh, could that be debatable that, you know, hey, you went back multiple times? Sure. Now, I think it also is worth noting that, uh, you know, Obviously, I don't know that they were 100% against those ideals or for those ideals. They were kind of like up in the air about it. And they were definitely multiple times, if I remember right from the book, I read it a, a while ago now, uh, they, they did claim to be separatists, which okay. you know, kind of 
for lack of a better words, is essentially it's you know still a, a racist mindset to have. It could be defined. I, was, I don't as know that. what that is. Uh, basically, that like uh, they're not violent against the races, but they believe that the races should be separate that they should live separately, right? So it's, you know, again, I'm trying to say it as plainly as possible, and I don't want to get all tied up on, uh, you know, their ideology, because ultimately that's not what this is about. What we're talking about, yeah. Right, but that's, in a nutshell, I believe, I don't want to speak for the Weavers, I I think that's around what they were getting at. Right. Uh, Ultimately, the reason why the Aryan Nations is specific is because at this point in time, the ATF... Um, was trying to infiltrate that area of the Aryan Nations, and there was currently an undercover agent uh, that was trying to get in to figure out, you know, arms smuggling or anything. Well, he sort was of... in. Wasn't there a couple people that would go to the church services and things? As far as, like, the ATF? Uh, yeah, like, yes, the ATF yes. were, like, in, and they, they were, like, very yeah. much undercover. So, so the... ATF informant befriended Randy Weaver, and that's how all this started, right? So he uh, portrayed himself as an anti-government illegal weapons dealer for the most part. So for those of you guys out there that aren't into guns, um, you may not be familiar with what's called NFA restrictions, National Firearms Act restrictions. It is quite the unconstitutional uh, piece there that you got to deal with that essentially says if you have a shotgun, let's say, legally the barrel cannot be below 18 inches. And is that like a federal? That's a federal law. So if we're going state to state, that doesn't really matter. Uh, No, federal, you know, the supremacy clause, federal Trump state law. And ultimately, um, yes, it's a it's a federal law enacted in 1934. It says that in order to do that legally, even if it's 17 inches on the barrel, you have to pay the 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 government two hundred dollars. You got to, you know, register it with them. You have to do fingerprint cards, photos, all this extra stuff. And you got to wait a good little bit to get it. Well, the AT- you're manipulating the firearm uh, because, yeah, you're redesigning the firearm into this scary firearm that's now an inch shorter. So, you know, whatever, or a few inches shorter. So and I just want to set up the timeline here because that's what I tend to do. Yeah. This initial um, introduction to the ATF, the undercover ATF informant to Randy Weaver happened in July of 1986. Right. So, you know, we're talking a few years here that this was going on. And ultimately, what this informant was doing was just bugging the shit out of Randy Weaver, consistently trying to get a meeting, trying to get in. And what he was trying to do is have Randy Weaver cut down the barrels of two shotguns. So he wanted two shotguns. He's like, look, man, you know, I need them shorter. Can you cut them down for me? I don't have the tools to do it. Will you do it? And Randy declined multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. Randy Weaver's like, no, man, you know, it's illegal to do that. I, you know, whatever. Again, remember, he's a loner. He just wants to be left alone. I mean, right. Even in these like, even in these community, quote unquote, community settings, I feel like he would still be the guy that's like, hi, how are you? Leave. Right. Exactly. So finally, after years of pestering about it, Randy Weaver agrees to do it. He's not a huge fan of the government. You know, he's a gun owner himself, obviously not a huge fan of, of government gun laws and other things. So he decides to cut the barrels down and he needed a little bit extra money. So he's like, look, man, I'll get the extra money, whatever. We're in the middle of nowhere. I'll cut them down for you. And get this guy off my back because it was probably bugging the crap out of right. him. Right. So finally, he cuts down the barrels, gives them to the dude and the dude reveals himself. Hey, I'm ATF. Just a heads up. You just committed two felonies. Question for you. Yeah. Where did this reveal happen? That I don't know. Because, like, did he continue to be undercover? Yeah, I don't know. I have no clue. But I guess he's not because Randy knew. It it didn't. It didn't. I 
don't believe the the reveal like happened at the Aryan right, Nations. Right, right, I, right. I think they um you know were were off site somewhere. And but they obviously agreed. made a conscious decision like okay now we're gonna reveal and like obviously that's gonna pretty much like you know um what do you what do you say like uncover him to the rest of the right and so people. ultimately uh, the ATF guy did this not to arrest Randy Weaver for the shotgun charges but he did it to get an in as basically a snitch for the Aryan nations he wanted somebody that was not with the ATF or, or any other federal agency to get in and give him information going towards this so ultimately you know uh, Randy Weaver says no I'm not you know I'm not I'm not gonna be your snitch I don't want any part in the government I, I don't want it this is ridiculous so the ATF guy says, okay, in that case, you know, we're, we're going to charge you with some felonies here and you're going to show up in court. Now, if this sounds a little bit like entrapment to you guys, that is because it was entrapment and it was actually proven in court after the fact that this was absolutely entrapment. You, you cannot uh, essentially go undercover and coerce somebody into doing a crime and then try to arrest them for doing that crime in a nutshell, is what entrapment is. I'm very much oversimplifying that. And he was noting that he was given three conflicting dates for his court appearance. Right. So now we get into um, the U.S. Marshal's involvement. And this is where shit just starts getting insane. So Randy Weaver, you guys got to remember, like we said in the beginning, him and his family uh, live at the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere with no electricity. So they live in the middle of nowhere, no electricity. And now he's given a court date for the alleged, you know, federal firearms violations. So Randy himself is uneasy to go to court and he has a defense attorney that's actually telling him all of this interesting information. He sent, they're communicating by letters and he's basically saying, look, man, you know, the, if you go here, they're going to, and, and you lose this case, they're going to take your house. They're going to, you know, your family's going to be homeless and all this crazy shit. So Randy is beginning to believe, and at this point, rightfully so, that the government is conspiring against him uh, and that he's not going to have a fair trial. That if he goes, uh, it, it doesn't matter what happens, they're going to screw him. And you got to remember, this is a dude that just got um, basically nailed under entrapment charges. So at this point, it's kind of like he he doesn't want to do either, but he's picking the, wor the, the lesser of two evils. It's right. like, do I stay in my home and wait it out and see what happens? Or do I go and possibly like go to jail same day? for who knows right. how long and not be able to really prepare for what's about to happen. Right. And I believe the first time they got arrested is agents posed as uh, a couple that were off to the side of the road and their car had broken down away. Oh, they from, mentioned that in the documentary. Yeah. Away from their home and Randy and Vicky being, you know, better people pulled over and they're like, Hey, do you need help? What's up? And then they arrested him on the spot. Um, and brought him in. And that's that's where we start getting, um, you know, the, the multiple court dates and things like that. As Mary mentioned, they changed the court date uh, for Randy three times and they pushed it back. They moved it all over the place. And Randy was actually not made aware of the change in the court date. Remember, he has no phone. He's right. got no computer. Like Right, exactly. So um, essentially, Randy misses the court date. So now he's marked as a fugitive uh, on the run. 
essentially. Their um, plan is working out to their advantage. Absolutely. And um, you, you can see how this is beginning to develop into if you don't play ball with the federal government, then you're screwed. We're going we're gonna to screw your life up. We're going to make your life hell. And that's what they're trying to do to Randy here. Because um, God forbid the government looks stupid. <laughs> right, exactly. And ultimately, um, they call in the U.S. Marshals, which uh, essentially the U.S. Marshals, you know, their job in this case, uh, we have a federal fugitive who's not coming into court. So you need to go get that federal fugitive and bring him uh, to court to answer for the crimes. Is this the point where like they had a literal camp set up outside of his... Not yet. Okay. Uh, so that happened when the state of Idaho declared, I believe, a national emergency or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, right. And th this that was the point that they were able to call in by doing that, the National Guard to come in and set up. And that's why you see armored personnel carriers or APCs and military tents. And, and like, this is at the point where the documentary for me was... The, the documentary, like, I mean, I was already getting pissed, but this was the point where I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It, the visual of the amount of, of, of government right. vehicles, tents right. set up, it looked like a um, military base. And mind you, again, I, I need to get this across every time. This all started because a dude cut down the barrel of a shotgun a few inches shorter than legally it's supposed to be. Like, that's that's the only reason this started, right? Um, now, if we go back a little bit, uh, throughout this time, Randy Weaver has decided, I'm, you know, I I'm not leaving. You know, I I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm not, not leaving. leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> uh, it, Randy Weaver has decided, I am staying up here, and if you and want me, come get me, and I'm not going. So it's, who is in the house? Him, uh, Randy? Randy, uh, his infant daughter, Sarah Weaver, and I believe they had one other daughter. I'm so sorry if that's incorrect. So they had two daughters and a son, and I, I always have a, a hard time um, pronouncing their um, baby at the time. Her name, um, Ella Shiba, I, I can never pronounce uh, it right. Sarah was the oldest. And Sammy was the, Samuel middle. Weaver was was the middle. Um, and, you know, so at this point, they're, you know, they're holding up in their property. They're not doing anything aggressive or violent or anything. They're just like, look, we're not going to come down. And at this entire point, the U.S. Marshal Service, and this is where it starts getting uh, corrupt, they're building the threat profile on Randy Weaver. So before they uh, just go to somebody, they're building a threat profile. They're saying, hey, how much of a threat is this person that we're going to get um, you know, against us? How much of a threat is he against uh, the taking, U.S. Marshals? And I'm sure they took into consideration everyone in the household, the ages of the people in the household. Right. At this time, Sarah's a teenager, Sammy's about 14, and then they have the infant. And then right. also, when did the family friend come by, Kevin Harris? So Kevin Harris was, I believe, there throughout the, the entire time. Uh, time. Now, okay. um, the the... Weavers already had an issue with their neighbors, right? There was a land dispute earlier, um, and the neighbor started reporting, uh, it's like the OG bullshit red flag law stuff, the neighbor started reporting the Weavers to the FBI, saying, hey, look, these are crazy anti-government people. They're going to come and do something to the government. You guys need to go, you know, raid them or do whatever. And they, they had never said any of these things. The neighbor was just super pissed off at the Weavers over a land dispute. Now, of course, the U.S. Marshal Service does not not actually get anybody to, um, you know, uh, contact Weaver directly or anything like that. They interview the angry neighbors who already dislike the Weavers. Well, and mind you, the Weavers won that 
court case against like the land dispute they yes. won and the neighbor ended up actually having to pay him right and even for um the the damages and right. things like that like right. the, the court fees so so this should have been done and over with. exactly so instead they build the threat profile on randy weaver saying he's some crazed super trained green beret that has his house booby trapped he's not coming out without killing all you and, and the, the the letter that the, the crazy neighbor wrote to the fbi also included that weaver had threatened to kill not only Pope John Paul II, President Ronald Reagan, and Idaho Governor John Evans. So it's like, he's like, he's going to kill everybody. Right, exactly. So this is the threat profile that the U.S. Marshals are building. And at no point did they just go up to the cabin and say, look, Randy, you got to come in and deal with, you know, these these charges that are against you. And, you know, we'll go from there. They're basically like revving themselves up. Exactly. They're revving themselves up without even going there. And then they start trying to do surveillance on them by dressing up as real estate agents and, you know, going up to their their home and, you know, uh, uh, making themselves look like they're not federal agents. And this is just adding fuel to the fire of the Weavers believing there is a government conspiracy against them, which at this point there absolutely was. So question for you at this point with the whole military like regime out there, does Randy know, like did the book mention that Randy was aware that there were that many military personnel outside his home? N- no. Um, because how would they he were know? at the bottom of the ridge basically. Right. So they were, they were way down. Now I should mention that, the, you know, we, we have to get into why there were so many military people at this time. The military people and the whole state of emergency and everything was not declared because of the shotgun barrels. What ended up happening, so the, the Weavers are within their home now for quite some time. Their, their food supply is running low. They're, they can't leave because they're afraid that they're going to be arrested. Um, you know, it, it's getting pretty bad. Um, so then the U.S. Marshals decided, hey, we need to get surveillance around the property. Right. This is where it gets interesting. So you got two teams of U.S. Marshals going in. Uh, They're dressed up in full camo fatigues. Uh, They had mesh fitting around their faces. Ghillie suit. Uh, one, yeah, one of them has a, a ghillie suit on, actually. And then, uh, you know, they, they have, you know, full standard uh, long guns at this point. So one of them's rocking an M- M16. They have MP5s, whatever. So they're they're ready to go. And they're uh, allegedly setting up surveillance stuff. Your tax dollars you know, at work. Your tax dollars at work, right? These dudes are like, oh, get to go play Rambo in the fucking woods and get this dude. So, you know, they, they start trying to set up around the property. So Randy Weaver... Um, and his family have this uh, dog, uh, a yellow lab named Stryker, right? So Stryker is around now. Keep it in mind, uh, the Weavers at this point are constantly armed. Uh, that is very true that every time they're outside their home, it's a large property, they're armed. And they also don't know what the hell is happening. They think their family is in immediate grave danger from the government, which in this case it was. So uh, again, this is fueling the fire of the marshals, right? So the marshals, uh, the the one team, there's three of them, are surrounding the bottom of the property. And this is the part that I love. So they claim they wanted to see how sensitive the dog was as far as to noises surrounding the property to see you know, how they could set up for uh, a raid in the future. So they decided to throw a rock near, uh, you know, up towards the property. So they throw a rock and of course the dog starts barking. Right. And there's actually video evidence of this. They're filming the whole thing until the shooting, coincidentally. 
and they the the dog starts going crazy and it takes off running right so striker starts running into the woods randy weaver follows kevin harris and sammy weaver down the trail because they think either you know something's going on ultimately they think striker spotted a deer or something like that and they're like so hell you yeah have, so you have randy you have his son his 14 year old son following behind him and family friend and the dog is now trailing uh, well, Randy's actually in the back. So okay. Sammy and Kevin are, are the, the first ones out following okay. the dog. Okay. And the dog is in front of everyone. And I think Sarah Weaver mentions in the documentary that at this point, like she felt extremely uneasy that yes. like there was something about to go down. Right. And, and, uh, you know, again, they're thinking it's a deer. They have almost no or like meat a bear left. or something. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, we might be able to kill some game, right. get some meat and, you know, and survive this thing. Um, so, uh, not only do the U S marshals decide not to retreat because you would think, Hey, they're coming right. They're, us. Like they're coming towards us. Shit. This is just surveillance. Let's get the hell out of here and try to avoid any sort of conflict. They, they stay and take up defensive positions. So at this point, um, you get to the Y on the Weaver's property and that's where this firefight happens. So the striker, um, comes out of the woods first. This is kind of what we know. It's still a little bit murky. Stryker comes out of the woods first. The U.S. Marshals see the dog and shoot and kill the dog, right? So they shoot, kill the dog. Sammy Weaver, according to Kevin Harris, screams, you shot my dog, you son of a bitch. And he fires at the U.S. Marshals and kills one of the Marshals. At this point, a entire firefight breaks out. I believe there's about 19 rounds fired. There are full auto bursts from their M16s. There are shots fired from their MP5s. Kevin Harris is using, I believe, a 1917 Enfield and is firing uh, from behind a tree. Sammy Weaver turns to retreat as he's fighting and then gets shot first in the elbow. And the second shot goes through his back, through out, you know, out the other side, and uh, Sammy Weaver dies. Randy Weaver gets to the the firefight as it's going on. I'm I can't remember if he fired towards them or not. Uh, I would say probably. Probably, yeah. Because it, mind you, th- th- there was never a point uh, aside from what the U.S. Marshals said, according to the Weavers and Harris, that they declared themselves as U.S. Marshals before they started fight. They're they're seeing dudes in camo on their property shooting their dog they don't the weavers are unaware for the most part the vast majority of the people that are sitting outside their property about to basically just attack them and the threat profile that was being built on them they have absolutely no any idea and then you have this occur and it's like Oh, oh my shit. god! We're under attack. Well, not like, to mention, okay, now you have to deal with the fact that your fourteen-year-old son is dead, your dog is dead, right. and there are still people out there shooting at you. And at this point, like they probably are smart enough to realize that it's something to do with the government. But again, who knows? Right. And and to be completely objective, there you know there's conflicting stories on who fired first, right? So that there's conflicting stories. However, in court, at the end of this, uh, Kevin Harris and Randy Weaver got uh, acquitted of all you know murder charges against the U.S. Marshal. And just to clarify, the deputy name was Deputy U.S. Marshal William Francis Deegan. Deegan, yeah. So, and so Deegan, Sammy Weaver, and the Weaver's dog died as a result of that first firefight. Fire right. So they all start hauling ass back to the cabin. And this, Mary, is when 
the the National Guard and and everyone starts coming in. We have the FBI hostage rescue team, and they they're there. And in the valley below, there are literally hundreds of people. And uh, this all sparked because the U.S. Marshals that you know escaped are calling in home base. They're like, we you know so the U.S. Marshals dead. They're crazy. They're shooting guns at us. A firefight broke out. Blah 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 blah. They blah. play some of that communication in the documentary. They do. Yeah, and uh, they also claim that there was a, a helicopter flying above the compound that they were shooting at. As far as the Weavers were shooting at, never happened at all. As verifiable, did not happen. But sure, let's build up that threat profile. So now shit's going down, right? The Weavers are locked in their home, um, and the FBI is now there with the U.S. Marshals, with the ATF. But for the main part of the rest of this, it's the FBI, right? Um, and their HRT team. And we start getting into now the rules of engagement, the ROEs of, of this. And this is an important fact because essentially now what these guys are getting is all of the re- responding uh, SWAT team that's coming in, they're given the rules of engagement of shoot on site. Essentially, if you see, which at first it was any adult with a firearm in hand, but it got changed to any male, adult male with a firearm in hand. And the more specific words there are you can and should use lethal force. You right, can right. and should use I, lethal force. Yeah, lethal I remember force. that part. And, and let's just do perspective on each side. At this point in the timeline, we have the military or the government, FBI, the, the National Guard and all of that all revved up because not only now do they have the threat profile, but they are now convinced that the threat profile is completely true because one of theirs is de- of dead. Right. So, and then, okay, so there's that side, right? And then you have the weavers, right? So I think it's important to really like show that So now Randy Weaver, correct me if I'm wrong, has to drag his dead son back to his home. Yeah. And and at the simultaneously somehow try to protect the rest of his family. Right. Like, how do you first of all, how do you cope with what just happened? But you have to now focus on the rest of the attack. I mean, come on, that's insane. Yeah. Right. That's absolutely insane. And, and again, I want to I want to reiterate once again that this all started over a few inches on a shotgun barrel. So what happened next? They start really bunkering down in the house. Sure. Um, and this is when um, the next and most horrendous murder happens. So I believe it's the following day. Randy Weaver goes outside because Sammy Weaver, they, they placed him in the shed. Obviously, you know, they didn't want their 14 year old dead son sitting in the house with them uh, because that's tough. <laughs> and Randy Weaver goes out. Kevin Harris, I believe, is around the shed at this time. And they're what, going to bury him? No, they were going to check on him, you know, see him again and just. I guess, grieve. And um, essentially, at this point, uh, FBI HRT teams have set up, and there are now uh, FBI snipers surrounding the property. And again, remember, they've been given given the essentially shoot-on-site order. No hesitation. They don't have to be shooting at you. If you see a an adult with a, a firearm, shoot on site. And let me just throw that out there, this out there as well. Third perspective. Now we have what protesters correct at the site of the military setup at the beginning of the road going in. Right. Yeah, they're Which, getting pissed. Right. 
and yeah. and most of them are locals but i think yeah. people like i mean this story really starts to get some traction in and publicity the, in the national not national but like um you yeah. know news the the and, and and we should also mention that the actual uh, local police like the county SWAT team that was called in read the rules of engagement and were like appalled they they could not believe that those were the but rules what are of they engagement gonna do? well no they so they actually um interestingly enough uh said that they were not going to abide by those rules of no, engagement no i know i'm just saying like fbi trumps all oh right like right, you're exactly. not going to do anything and, as long as it's, i mean y- your jurisdiction is done right and even the the fbi hostage negotiation the the person that that was trying to speak to them was also blown away that this was the the um, tactics the, the tactics the rules of engagement that they were given this is not for those of you out there that don't know that's not standard standard is you know you you Let's fire if you're fired not. upon and you, you know you're defending yourself and the only time you shoot is if it's in immediate danger of your life or others you know well, around at this it. point you would assume that since the family retreated you would try and go at it at a point of let's try to have as little casualties as physically humanly possible and let's right. just settle this as peacefully right. as we can but right. not the case so all right so um randy let's weaver's move outside the shed right. the fbi sniper uh and i i can i can't really pronounce his name either um you know he the, the murderer we'll say <laughs> this is how i feel about him uh, gets Randy Weaver in his sights. He fires a shot at Randy Weaver. It was pointed at his back, and at the very last second, Randy Weaver turns and gets the shot, I believe, in his arm. At this point, Sarah Weaver runs outside and says, "What you know? what's going on? Randy Weaver says, I've been shot. And Vicki Weaver opens the door to the cabin and says, you know, what, what the hell's going on? Come inside. And she's holding her infant daughter at this point in time. Randy Weaver takes cover behind the shed. The FBI sniper uh, reloads at this point and is looking for another target. Randy Weaver and I believe Kevin Harris and Sarah all run back inside. Kevin Harris is the last one. Now, at this point in time, the FBI sniper takes aim at a door of the front door of their cabin and it has a little like blind in front of it. So he doesn't even know what what he's shooting shooting at at this point in time. He's firing blindly. Kevin Harris is directly next to Vicki Weaver. A shot rings off, and unfortunately, that shot um, fatally uh, wounded Vicki Weaver in her head. The round went through and then entered Kevin Harris and actually got lodged right next to his heart. Um, at this point, Sarah Weaver gives just just a horrendous account of this in her book that... Uh, and in the documentary, I mean, pieces of her mother is is all over their infant child and all over her daughter Sarah Weaver. And now Randy Weaver is looking at his unarmed wife who is holding their infant child that just got shot in the head uh, on the ground of the, on on the floor of their kitchen. Meanwhile, he also has been shot. Correct. So he's and like Kevin Harris is almost fatally shot as well. He is he is not doing good. There's now a round lodged, and this FBI sniper didn't even know his target or what was beyond it. What him. happened to the baby? Uh, the baby survived. The baby survived. Um, thank God. And uh, you know, it's just it's appalling. It is completely appalling, and it is downright murder. It is straight up murder of an unarmed civilian holding her child. Uh, by the federal government. So we have how day. many casualties in like a subsequent two days? Right. We have the now deputy. Three. We have Sammy. We have Vicky. Yes. Um, and now Harris. multiple shot. Yeah. 
Uh, so from this point, the FBI doesn't even know that they have Vicky as a casualty. So here's where it starts getting horrible is now the FBI negotiators come in and the siege starts for, I believe, 11 days. Throughout those days, uh, they are calling on a bullhorn trying to contact Vicky because they assume that out of the family, because their threat profile is bullshit, that Vicky is going to be their best bet to try to get everyone to come out, quote unquote, safely. Meanwhile, meanwhile, she's laying on the floor in a, in a pool of blood. Uh, so they're calling on the bullhorn, Vicky, come out, save your children, save, uh, you know, save all of them. We don't want to harm you. We don't want to hurt you. So the weavers are now taking this as as they are messing with them about shooting Vicky, that they're, you know, actually, you know, uh, trying to like push them around that they just shot Vicky and are taunting them about it is well, how okay, they take so it. All these traumatic events take place. They have little to no food left, probably little to no like resources. I mean, they're, you're, you're probably already stir crazy. And then right. you add all of this chaos, complete and utter chaos on top right. of it. Randy Weaver probably lost a, a, a good amount of blood. So like, Oh my God. And on top of that, now they think that if they come outside, they're, they're, they're going to be killed. They're well, going to be I killed. I mean, rightfully so. Right. And on top of that, to further this, and this is, Mary, you might find this interesting. This was left out of the documentary. So the FBI multiple times was telling Randy to go outside and there's a phone attached to a little, you know, robotic thing. And to take the phone, we want to communicate with you. Please take the, the phone. Was the robotic thing actually there? Yes. Okay. So the robotic thing actually was there, but attached to it was, ironically, a short sawed-off shotgun. Uh, so actually attached to that was a firearm, and they were planning on neutralizing Randy if he came outside. So, Did Kevin Harris die? No. Kevin Harris actually survived. Um, and that was the first person to... Um, exit the siege, basically. Um, so the FBI ha at this point, again, has been surrounding the the property. And finally, they call in a, a civilian, uh, Bo Greitz, I believe. Well, wait, wait, wait. I think you're missing a point. Didn't we Randy Weaver call out and said, like, you killed my wife? Like, how did they find out? Because so they did find they out. They found out with Bo Greitz coming in. So that's how they found oh. out. So basically, um, this dude was um, uh, a green beret, a, a green beret as well, and he was had all the accommodations. But he, he also personally knew Randy Weaver. Not necessarily. So the interesting thing is that they had a connection; they had a mutual connection. I believe Randy Weaver knew of him. I, I don't know that they had an immediate personal connection. Bo Greitz was pretty large in the more anti-government community. He was running for a political place in office, and at this point, he was pretty big on the anti-big government category. He was a Green Beret. He was pro-firearms, so he was pretty large in this community. So they're like, we'll get this guy in. And I think in the documentary, they actually interviewed Bo Greitz, and he said, you know, I didn't know who this person was. I just, you know, figured I could come and help. Oh, right. Okay, right. but again, they had that connection of so, both being... So, so since they're not getting any response from the FBI, they bring Bo Greitz up to the cabin, and Bo Greitz calls out, Randy, you know, it's it's me, it's Bo, I, you know, I'm here to help, I'm here to figure out what these government people are doing to you. And at this point, Randy calls out, they shot Vicky, she's dead, or something along those lines. And Bo Greitz turns around and essentially says, oh, you guys messed this one all up. 
And at this point, this is where we now get the the piece of shit FBI person, the head of the FBI at this point on the news saying, well, we've just learned that, you know, uh, Vicki Weaver is shot and is fatally wounded. We just learned that Sammy Weaver is shot and fatally wounded. So the the public uh, sees this as now the the federal government is here. They shot the the mother of the family and they also shot the 14 year old child. Right. And they know that they had made contact with, or that they shot Harris and Graver as well. Right. So these people are enraged. Now you have uh, more um, uh, riots breaking out almost at the the bottom of the hill, um, and all hell is really breaking loose. So finally, Bo uh, gets Randy to send out Kevin. Uh, and Kevin Harris didn't want to leave. He was actually telling Randy the whole time that uh, Randy should put him out of his misery and actually kill Kevin Harris, which, of course, Randy Weaver you know, refused to do. Um, so Kevin so he, Harris... He was removed on August 30th. Right. On a stretcher. Right. So Kevin Harris goes out. He is gravely injured at this point. You know, he's, he's really not doing good and gets rushed off to a hospital. Um, the following aired to a hospital, right? And and I can't remember exactly when uh, Vicky's body gets removed. I I believe it might have been when Kevin Harris uh, exited. Yeah, I think at that point, it says Weaver allowed his wife's body to be removed. Right, and I, I think uh, so. After this, I believe it was the following day. Um, because Randy was not going to come out, and essentially, Bo convinces him and says, "Look." If you stay here, if you die, these people are not going to be held accountable for what they did. You need to come out and you need to fight this in court because you need to make these people accountable. You need to make the story known to the public on, on what happened to you. Um, so Randy actually decides to, to get his children and, and surrender and come out of the home. Um, he's immediately taken into custody. And um, Harris was also taken into custody. T- Harris when he was, was also stable. taken into custody when he was stable. And this is when the Weavers get brought down to the bottom of the you know the the ridge basically, and uh, they see hundreds of of military uh, members of military vehicles. Could of you imagine? Camps could set you up. imagine all the things that just happened to you? The horror you must. I mean, I'm sure they probably assumed that that was. But I mean, you can't be prepared to no. see that. And you see the the people that were down there goofing off, joking around. They're shouting like, man, it looks like Vietnam down here. And they're getting their rocks off like, hell fucking yeah, we're going to get all pumped up for this shit. We're going to nail this terrorist up in the woods. And this is exa- this is a prime example of when I'm just doing my job really doesn't go over too well because you don't even know you're literally an accomplice to murder at the bottom of the ridge as your your bosses are up there going ahead and just murdering unarmed people. So this is horrible. Awesome. It's yeah. Horrible. Super patriotic on that one. So, you know, so from, the so Weaver's arrested, but the daughters, just to clarify, were um, uh, released into custody members. of relatives. So they right. were safe. Right. And, uh, you know, at this point, um, uh, all oh, charges. I just saw here that the federal officials considered charging Sarah Weaver at the time as an adult yeah. who was 16, not even 18 years Correct. old. Yeah. And she did nothing this entire time. Yeah. But no, let's go ahead and charge her, too, because you you tried to go against the big like, let's bad really government. just put salt in the wound at this point. Exactly. Yeah. And at this point, 
the government doesn't give a shit. They just wanted these people gone because now you got a real, real bad look to a lot of these three-letter agencies, okay? Especially the ATF because they're the ones that kicked this whole thing off on bullshit entrapment charges, which ultimately um, didn't even get, get held. So if you guys were wondering how this ended up playing out in court afterwards, this is when it really gets interesting because Kevin Harris gets acquitted of all murder charges uh, against Deegan, okay? And Randy Weaver also gets acquitted of all charges, and he even gets acquitted on the firearms charges. He ends up serving, I believe, 16 months in jail. So, for- he, yeah, he's fined 10, Weaver is fined $10,000 and sentenced to, eight, sentenced to 18 months in prison. Right. And I believe with time served or something like that, he got out at 16. Okay. Uh, but regardless, all those, the reason why he went to jail was for a failure to appear. It, it, it wasn't even based off any of the charges. They got acquitted. And guess what? No one on the federal side that day, no one from the people that murdered members of the family got charged with a goddamn thing. In fact, most of them retained their positions or moved up the totem pole with promotions and continued out their job till good old retirement. But so the the whole um, the civil suit was brought up because Weaver's attorney, Jerry Spence, apparently made accusations accusations no he did make accusations of criminal wrongdoing against all of the agencies and a wrongful death and wrongful death so um there was a task force created so the ruby ridge task force was created to investigate these charges that spence um brought on basically um and it says here that both the weaver family and harris brought civil suits against the federal government over the firefight and siege and the weavers won a combined out-of-court settlement in august of 95 of uh, $3.1 million doesn't really matter. No amount of money will ever replace no. the death of, of a family member, not let alone multiple family members in the way it was done. Right. You, I mean, first of all, I think $3.1 million is actual chump change. I just really don't even... I, right. I, that is just... That's actually a slap in the face to it that is. family. And they actually were originally requesting $200 million. And funny enough, the prosecutors at that point in time said if they would have went to court, they probably would have even won the $200 million. It was that much of just a sure bet case. But they paid them off in, in hopes that it wouldn't go to court. And I get it, too. At that point, Randy Weaver probably just wanted it to be done. Right. I mean, how exhausted are you? And and uh, This uh, is years later. Right. 1992 that this all went down. 95 is when they finally signed. Settled. Right. That's years. And on top of that, the committee itself uh, that was designed to research into if there was any wrongdoing was essentially appalled by the information that they found and buried it all. They buried everything. So they, you know, they did not charge anybody. And on top of that, uh, y- years later, I believe it was a, f- a few years after that, um, in that that county, um, the prosecutor tried to charge uh, Kevin Harris with the murder of Deegan. That fell through. Well, um, apparently Harris was only awarded $380,000 in the settlement, and, and that wasn't until September of 2000. Right. And uh, the reason why that fell through was because it was double jeopardy uh, involving that he was already acquitted on the federal charges, so he couldn't be brought up on, on oh state charges. God. But then they also tried to prosecute the um, uh, FBI sniper that killed uh, Vicki Weaver for, at the very least, manslaughter charges. Now, get this, they had a very good case going. 
However, the charges got dropped due to federal supremacy clause. So essentially, they were saying that he was immune as a federal acting on federal uh, agent. And then on top of that, they were going to bring the, the, the charges against him. But at the very last second, I believe the judge uh, retired or a new one went in and the judge said, hey, you know what? It's been too long. We won't be able to prove it. So they dropped all the charges. And that dude continued on, and I believe he was also at Waco, and then he continued on into as an instructor for multiple agencies and firearms-related stuff up until, you know, whoever knows when. Yeah. Awesome, right? I'm speechless. It's, it's, it is, and guys- Where did they end up living? um, I believe- relatively close to that. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, but, uh, the, the other reason why I want to mention the, the federal siege at Ruby Ridge, uh, as a, a book is because the, the other awesome thing that was so interesting to look into is they have the full transcripts of that committee in the, in the courtroom in the appendix of the book. Right. So literally you can read through word from word, the transcripts on what they said. And I think that's important to mention because as we encourage everyone to look into their own research, that content can be quite dry sometimes. Obviously yeah. there's pieces that, that lead up to, but you have to be able to put yourself in that. If you really want to look at it objectively, yeah. not seeing any other content, not looking at documentaries, not, not listening to any reports, reporters or journalists, you got to like, just read reading the actual and then looking into all the other stuff that we had mentioned. Yeah. It, I think would actually uh, bode well for most people. I, I personally feel that if you're going to do research into this and really want to know what happened and create yeah. an opinion, starting with those transcripts, starting with those court transcripts, if they're available as well, and just reading through that information, yeah. coming up with your own opinion and then saying, and that's rest. exactly what they said in the book. They're like, we're, we're not going to tell you one thing or another, read it, F- figure out for yourself what you think. I mean, you know, we have our opinions, but you need to figure it out. And this is pretty cut and dry. It, it is. And to, to wrap it up, um, you know, we, <laughs> Like what's amazing to me is these are the agencies, you know, we talk about it all the time in all of our past episodes with MK Ultra and, and other things. <laughs> these agencies were barely even reprimanded for murdering uh, U.S. civilians and yet continued on. These are still the agencies that we live under today. Some of the people that were involved at that point in time are still in high up positions in these agencies uh, with again, no reprimanding whatsoever. Sometimes I think like, you know, you joke around about, oh, we're going to live in the middle of nowhere or whatever. I'm like, God, at this point with all of this stuff, I feel like sometimes it might be better off to live in a place that there are a lot of people because you're Who less knows? conspicuous. Well, and here's the thing. Like you it, think you're so it, hidden, but it, you're it, not. It's an illusion of freedom. Okay. Right. I've said this a lot before on all my other channels. It's an illusion of freedom. They give you the illusion that you have the ability to, to live out your life free in the middle of nowhere. Um, and sure, if Randy Weaver did not finally get pestered into the, you know, the ATF stuff, and if he, maybe if he didn't visit the Aryan nations, maybe this wouldn't have happened to him. But the regardless, the, the facts are... Okay, he didn't deserve that. No, he did not deserve that. His wife did not deserve that. Sammy did not deserve that. And on top of that, you, you look into, and the biggest threat that the government saw from this is people figuring out that this dude 
and his family were able to fight off the government, and that was what they did not want other people to know. They're or like, even before nope. that, like getting, you know, getting away with. It's like you really think Randy Weaver would have come out and been like, "Guys, I sawed off some shotguns and I got away with it. You can yeah. too." Right. What? Exactly. It's just it's what so stupid. It's not honestly even funny. my opinion, and I didn't read the book, but I feel like at the point where um, they were infiltrating for since 1986, or well. Sorry, that's when they made contact with Randy Weaver. So the ATF had been in there for for years, right? And I think at that point they were getting frustrated. They were they were trying to you know infiltrate this this you know Aryan nation nation. Yeah. And I get that. Um, I, I'm not opposing that. I'm just saying I don't think they they were getting probably frustrated that they weren't getting anywhere, right? And they were like, we got to speed this we process need to validate up, validate ourselves, right? So we let's have to validate the time and the money and the effort that we've put cut into this. some corners a little bit here. So we really have to rev this up and, and get this going. And and mind you, I would I would argue too that this could happen to anybody. Yeah, and they don't like not being able to be the bully. Right. They want to be the big federal bully. And come over and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know you're gonna do this because we're the federal government." And well, like, and, I think it comes know. down to like their boss's boss's boss. Well, wh- what progress have you made? Well, we've been having a right. lot of trouble. Okay, well, you've been in there for like five plus years. Okay, then they, then they you know, yeah, and that's how it goes. And it shows you with this whole thing that it's not a, a about the. <laughs> upholding laws that are on the books or whatever. It, it turns into a big old pissing contest of who's going to bring home the, the biggest trophy here. And it's Randy an, Weaver was the big trophy for was, a lot of these people. It's an ego-driven catastrophe that led to Got the out death of, hand. of yep. just innocent people. It's it's atrocious. And, and with that, I think it wraps up our first Hidden Histories bonus episode. Yeah, guys, once we... Once we um, put this live just you know all the uh, the feedback we'd love to talk to you guys about this and your thoughts and um if you want to check out that documentary on netflix we will link that we will also link the book that joe had mentioned in the show notes as well as the wikipedia article that we've pulled a lot of info well i that i did a lot of research through um and yeah just we'd love to talk to you guys about this and and just stay tuned for more absolutely so thank you guys so much for listening to this bonus episode and as always Stay tuned for more great content coming soon.